0: Hey, welcome back to the podcast. this week. We're telling the story of Varig flight two five four. Thanks for listening. Whew. We have hey. 13 pages of notes, Mariah.
1: Let's do it.
0: Let's do it. I love you. How are you doing?
1: You. I'm good um i don't know if i don't know if people can hear frank on the recording i should go back and listen
0: yeah i don't hear a lot of cats brian might be cutting them out though that's the yeah, thing. Fair. i don't know what he does before i get it so <laughs> but <laughs>
1: those naughty right, babies. we'll see if
0: we are interrupted by gatitos today yeah. and uh let's do it so today we're telling the story of varig flight 254 varig is a kind of still existing kind of no longer existing brazilian airline uh so it like switched in 1990 it kind of like split into two different airlines i can't pretend to understand it but um but I, have you ever heard of it? I, I'm not super no, familiar never, with it, but it was, yeah, it. it was like a, like the major airline in Brazil, Yeah, um, prior to 1990 and we're going back to September 3rd, 1989. So okay. I don't know what was going on in the world, in Brazil, in the airline, whatever, but, uh, let's find out. So <laughs> we are flying. Uh, 737, the most popular plane ever made and therefore very likely to show up in our stories, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we are flying it from Sao Paulo. Oh, we're going to have a tough time with some of these names. Yeah. To Uberabas, to Uberlandia, to Guinania, to Santa to Brasilia, to Ooh, to this it's also my handwriting is the problem yeah it's fair to maraba to bellum so
1: a lot of stuff we have a
0: yeah we have a day ahead of us as a pilot right this is it's a lot for sure and uh we are flying the 737 hop 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 all across Brazil from south to north. And the final stop, Bellum, is uh on like the ocean kind of like on the Atlantic Ocean, but really it's in it's like on an um estuary of a tributary of the Amazon River. So it's like kind of at like the if you have your little mental map and you imagine the Amazon uh river and it's flowing from West to east. Does that sound right? I think it is. Uh east to west. Who can say? And uh the like part of the river where it's like meeting the ocean. Yeah, it's gotta be west to east. So it's meeting the ocean, and there's that like broad area that's brackish water, kinda salty, kinda not. That's Bellum. That's okay. where we're heading. That's where we're gonna stop today. But it's a long day of flying. Yeah and i tried so hard to find out when this plane was born and i couldn't hmm. as far as i can tell it's just not it's not in the translation yeah. of the like report that i found it's not i i don't know but it is an old model of the 737 even for 1989, okay, it's so it's a little you know, older. it's yeah it's maybe my guess so it's a 737 200. They started making those in the 60s. I kind of think this plane was born in the 60s because okay. it's um it's an oldie but a goodie, but it is missing some of the stuff that we kind of take for granted on planes, particularly. Uh, navigational equipment okay so but uh we're doing our best and yeah. when i say we i mean our captain cesar uh he is 32 he has been flying he like joined up and uh learned how to fly in like a military academy when he was 19 so he's been flying uh, since they let him and he's been with the airline flying commercially for about seven years. But he's fairly new to the 737. Hmm. And again, this one, I don't know if Eric had like some newer models. This is one of the older models. Uh Cesar and First Officer Nielsen. And uh Nielsen is 29. He's like pretty new. He has fewer than 800 total flight hours and he's pretty pretty new but he's a first officer so cesar and nielsen are here to take you on this little hop 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 journey right and uh we're starting our day at nine forty a.m And we're hoping to be done on the ground in Bellum by around 5.40 p.m. So we're really, this sounds like a stressful day to me. I don't know. This is a lot like what I think a lot of pilots do every day to this day.
1: Well, and statistically, isn't this technically like the chances are much higher of something happening because isn't the... Like the um landing and takeoff,
0: like yeah. the
1: times when accidents happen the most.
0: Yeah, definitely. Landing and takeoff are definitely when um things are most likely to go wrong in some way. And you're never getting up, you're never like really getting up that high. You know, you're right. not going to be at some, you know, over 30,000 feet cruising when you're going to be back down on the ground soon. And um, but pilots do it every day. Yeah, uh, Cesar just got back from vacation. His mm. first day back. Hope he had a great vacation. And uh, everything is going smoothly all day long. They go from Sao Paulo to like they get through one, two, three, four, five, six. They get through six of their seven flights for the day. It's evening. And they're in Maraba, which is their second to last airport of the day. And they are getting ready to go out to Bellum. So we're wrapping it up. We're about to be done. Yeah. And uh Cesar, while like passengers are getting off, new passengers are getting on, they're fueling, they're doing the baggage stuff, whatever. Um, Nielsen gets out and is doing the walk around, inspecting the plane. And Cesar is uh, in the cabin, prepping the cockpit, doing the paperwork, doing the checklist, stuff like that. And the flight plan that he has uh, says that the heading they're supposed to fly is zero two seven zero which is four numbers mm-hmm. and you don't have to understand this i certainly can't pretend to understand any of this stuff super well but the heading is going to be like the highest number it can be is 360 right it's it's like yeah a three like and a 360 would be like four numbers doesn't make any sense Right. right. So zero, two, seven, zero. If you saw that, Mariah, not the, not to put you on the spot or like oh give boy. you a pop quiz, but if you saw four numbers, zero, two, seven, zero, what heading would you punch in? What like three number. Which two, seven, of those three zero. numbers?
1: I would just. Two, seven, zero. Yeah. It's yeah. like, oh, yeah.
0: Totally. That's exactly what Cesar did. Yeah. Two, seven, zero. That's exactly what he did. Yeah. Uh, he wrote two seven zero on his paperwork. He punched in. Well, there's not a lot of punching in because we're a little rudimentary plane here. Yeah. Yeah. Goody but a oldie but a goody. And uh, so he punches in two seven zero, and then Nielsen hops on, and they're going through everything. And he copies two seven zero off of Cesar's paperwork. Right. He's matching everything up. Yeah. while Cesar was on vacation for reasons that I do not know the airline had instead of they'd gone from writing three numbers to four numbers and you're supposed to know you're supposed to intuit you're supposed to read it kind of like money maybe is the best example I can come up with and you're supposed to imagine a decimal and the Decimal is supposed to be to the left of the rightmost number, and I know that is like a not gonna be a clear description for everyone but what it boils down to is the airline wants you to read zero two seven zero as twenty seven or zero two seven point zero
1: that seems. Like a horrific system
0: Yeah, i I don't disagree i don't I don't think Cesar was on like months of vacation right I don't right. know it's maybe it was a nice i i hope it was nice and I hope it was long, but it wasn't that long right and uh it's not intuitive, and I'm gonna say this right at the start after everything we're gonna talk about today uh the Aviation authority in Brazil did kind of like a pop quiz of pilots. They took uh, twenty one pilots and they showed them zero two seven zero and they said what heading do you think this is? and fifteen of them said heading two seven zero yeah. so but the airline want what they're intending what they want you to read is twenty seven now, This is a very, very, very pivotal thing. You do not have to understand the ins and outs of this. Uh, If you do understand it, then tell me more about it. But in the simplest possible terms, Bellum is north of Maraba. They need to fly north. 270, that heading is going to bring them west. Hmm. So right from the get, they are writing down and fully preparing to go in the wrong direction,
1: and they don't know at in, this point that it's it's pointed them west.
0: They don't know. Well, and that's kind of the thing, right? If they were in a different headspace, if someone questioned it, if they if if Cesar was teaching, you know, a brand new pilot, if they were like they're in a different headspace, they might say like, "Wait a second, that doesn't make any sense," right? Right. But it's the last flight of the day. Mm. uh i have no idea if this is a part of it but uh argentina and brazil are playing each other later this night to see who's going to go to the world cup Uh, and they probably want to get to bellum so they can watch it and uh they the paper says 270 cesar writes 270 nielsen copies off his paper and writes 270 it doesn't click They take off for their last flight of the day. This flight is uh very short. This is uh like New York to Syracuse or something like a okay. very short flight forty eight yeah. minutes total up and down they 're barely their cruising altitude is twenty nine thousand feet, not that high, and they 're going to come right back down. And uh, they're going to be on the ground and they're going to be done with their day. And
1: what time is it? on board Sorry. with
0: them, they have uh, four flight attendants and 48 passengers. So on a 737, 200, this is like one of the longer 737s. Can I can hear you. Yes.
1: You can hear me now? Okay. Yep, I can hear you. Okay. Can Sorry. you hear me? Yes.
0: Okay. Um, the There's 48 passengers, two pilots four flight attendants okay. and they are uh ready for this incredibly short flight so they
1: take I'm sorry, off what time yeah. of what time of day is it
0: it's five it's it's like 4 45 okay it's like getting into evening and at this time of year in this part of the world the sun is gonna set in like it's gonna be setting it's gonna be dusky when they land like if they land when they want to which is like 540 uh they will land a little before sunset okay so they're taken off they've still got the sun um in this place at this time it's not just their plane that doesn't have all of the things that we're used to and that we take for granted when we fly right and obviously we enjoy like a huge like amazing incredible advances in what planes can do and navigational equipment and gps and like i don't need to know where anything is in my own town because right. i can use gps right like all of this stuff this plane not it's not just this plane that doesn't have this stuff in this part of the world at this time nobody's got that stuff right like right. even stuff like radar at the airport is not that common. So yeah. the airport they're leaving doesn't have ra- radar. The airport they're flying to, Bellum, doesn't have radar. It's we're we're working with simpler tools, right? Yeah. They uh, take off, and because the flight is so short, while they're ascending, Cesar is flying, and Nielsen is is already trying to set the HSI, which is like the their like internal the little needle on their aircraft to bellum's vor Mm. so maybe in other stories we've talked about how like this runway doesn't have an ils system it only has a vor and the vor is like a much simpler kind of like little like radio frequency that the airport sends out and tells you like this is where i am and your plane can like latch onto that and know where the airport is right yeah. so he's punching it in and he's trying to connect to it and he can't connect it's just not connecting but like okay you know maybe maybe it's broken it's been working on their aircraft all day but maybe it's a problem with their aircraft but you know maybe the maybe the system's just broken at Bellum oh well right we'll be there soon enough anyway So while they're ascending, heading toward flight level 29,000, where they'll cruise for like 10 minutes and they'll come back down and they'll land. As they're going up and out to the west, there's actually a passenger in the back who takes this flight all the time. And he's like pretty much right away like, this isn't right. Wow. This isn't right. This doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah and that passenger like gets the flight attendant and is like hey like something is weird like this is not the right way yeah. at all and the flight attendant is just like who are you yeah right <laughs> like you know or i'm sure yeah. right like i'm sure she was gracious and polite you know i hope and uh, but she was just kind of like
1: you know thanks yeah. for
0: flying with us or whatever right, you know and right. just doesn't you know keeps doing her her job you know this is also like this is the luxury era of flying right so she is going around even though it is such a short flight she's like going around and you know the flight attendants are are working right and so they don't they don't pass anything along they don't they're just like i don't know what to tell you champ like sorry yeah. uh, enjoy your drink have a cigarette like <laughs> They're getting ready to descend into Bellum. They're up at 29,000 feet. They're flying. The clock is taken away. Um, the sun is getting lower in the sky, and it's getting lower in the sky in front of them, right? They're flying west, but it doesn't click.
1: Ugh. I thought the sun and was going to be the thing. I know.
0: It doesn't click. Yeah. And so they try to call Bellum air traffic control because they want to ask if they can start to descend and toward the airport and they don't get anything back. The air traffic controller doesn't answer them and they keep calling and they're just not getting a response. So because nothing makes sense ever. Okay. The um, VHF radio right VHF stands for very high frequency that's the normal shorter range radio that they would use to communicate with air traffic control mm-hmm. and they switch to HF which just stands for high frequency radio so very high is the shorter range what are you going to do i don't know why things are the way they are yeah. Yeah. they switch over to the longer range radio and try to call the air traffic controller in bellum And Nielsen is, Cesar is flying, Nielsen's on the radio, and he gets through to other aircraft, like he can hear other aircraft flying into Bellum, he can hear that, and he actually contacts the nautical coordinator at Bellum. So again, it's on the estuary, it's the same building that has the approach controller at Bellum. In, like, another office in the same building is a, like, nautical coordinator who's, like, coordinating boats. Mm. And, like, that just must be a very exciting place to work, I I imagine. But uh, he gets through to the nautical coordinator, and the nautical coordinator is, like, I don't know why, like, I don't know what's going on. Like, the air traffic controller only has the VHF radio. I have this one. Like, I can... Hear you. I can communicate with you. They don't have that kind of radio, but I know their radio is working. I don't know why you can't get them right, and they don't know either. But now they're talking to somebody who's in the building, and they can communicate with other planes. So they just do a relay system. It's just like, hey, can you ask the air traffic controller if I can come down to, uh, like start to descend into Bellum, mm. and they pass it along, and then air traffic controller is like, go for it, come on down, no like. Boy totally, I don't know. And again, if you're maybe in a situation, I don't know how unusual this would be at all for the air traffic controllers, right? Like they don't necessarily have an explanation or know why, you know, you're having a hard time contacting them or anything like that, but stuff breaks, things are quirky, radios don't make sense, whatever, you know? So they start to descend and as they're descending, like, Cesar and Nielsen are like they know something doesn't something doesn't feel right but it's not it's not clicking and they they still can't pick up the VOR of Bellum like they still aren't connecting to the airport by radio or by their internal like the plane system and they can't get in direct contact with air traffic control but they can, on the higher range radio, they can talk to them and they can hear the other planes landing and stuff. And yeah. they, As they're descending, like, it doesn't look right because they should be able to start to see the river, maybe the ocean, the city of Bellum. And they don't, all they see is jungle. All they see is jungle. And they keep going down and they feel like they really should be able to see it and like time ticks by they get down to eight thousand feet and like they were supposed to be on the ground after like 48 minutes and it's been like 40 minutes and they still don't see anything it's just jungle 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 under them And they're getting nervous, and they call Bellum again through the, like, relay system, either talking to, like, the nautical controller or other planes, and Bellum says, like, I don't have radar, you know, as you know, like, the airport doesn't have radar, I can't see you or find you, we're here, you know, I don't know, I don't know, and they ask if they can descend lower to like no. really make sure they see it and they get permission and they descend lower and they fly until they're 30 miles past where they should have landed. Yeah. They've flown 30 miles further than they should have. And Cesar and Nielsen are just like, okay, so we must have overshot it. I-, I don't know how, but we must have just overshot it. Yeah. Yeah. And so they turn around, make a 180-degree turn, and go back the way they came. And they call and ask if they can descend to 4,000 feet because, like, now it's getting dark, and they want to see it. And they get permission, go down to 4,000 feet, and they're looking and looking and looking, and it's just nothing but jungle, 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 jungle. And the passengers are getting more and more anxious frustrated what the hell the guy who had originally said something is like i i told you like i hey hey this is the wrong way and now the sun is going down and cesar asks bellum through the relay system or asks other flights like is the electricity out in bellum or something and they're like no it's normal here Nielsen tries to see if they could get a local... So uh, this is, I don't know, Nielsen has an idea. He says, why don't we try to find a local radio station? Like, I know a couple of the stations in Bellum. And because, again, this is an older plane, and before we had the things we have now, they had systems... That worked with what they had at the time and yeah. so on this aircraft there's a system where you can tune into a radio frequency and if you're locked into it right like a a radio i don't understand the different kinds of radios guys i'm so sorry but if you log <laughs> in you can get like a you can point toward it right and it'll be like clearer and stronger the closer you get mm-hmm. and you can like fly toward the radio tower basically until you find bellum in this case and it's a pretty interesting idea right they're just trying to figure this out so nielsen tries to see like flipping through radio stations like kiss 98.5 like just regular radio stations and he flips to one that he is aware of and it's really you're kind of picking it up but it's you know very crackly and not clear and he switches to one that's radio liberal right and so he switches to that they got a clear strong signal good and they aim they tune the equipment into that one it's playing mass and they like mass like eucharist mass yeah like catholic mass and um they listen to mass and they tune into that and they head in that direction but it's not Radio Liberal, as you and I and maybe anyone who's ever used a car radio knows, like, in different areas, the yeah. same the same number will be a different channel. And not only is it not Radio Liberal, it's Radio Brazil Central. It is a radio station broadcasting from Central Brazil. Oh, my God. 800 miles south of them. Ugh. And they tune into that.
1: The opposite of north.
0: Yeah. Oh, so they've flown, instead of flying north, they've flown west and now they're flying south. And Cesar sees a, but south kind of makes sense because they think in their head, their mental map. They think they were flying north and overshot it, and so now we're flying south, and that makes sense. So, and Cesar, they're looking down. They're only at four thousand feet. They can, they have a decent view of the ground, and he sees a river. And in this part of the world, right, like the river is either going to be the Amazon River or a tributary of the Amazon River. And so, if we just follow this river, like we're going to end up where we're going because that's right where Bellum is. So. They, the river is running in the same direction that they are going, which, again, if they put it all together, doesn't make sense because you right. can't be flying south towards Bellum and following a river south because that's not the way that the river goes. But again, they're scrambling and trying to figure it out and they're lost. They're lost. But they see the river and the river is going in the same direction as the radio signal and it. That confirmation bias, it like verifies yeah. what they think they're supposed to do, and yep. they're following this river. And they fly on and on and on and on and on. And it's totally dark now, miles and miles and miles southwest, 4,000 feet above endless, endless, endless Amazon jungle. Uh. 30 minutes go by. 30 minutes of flying. Beyond when they should have landed. They're, they've almost doubled the amount of time that they were supposed to be in the air. And Nilsen, Cesar is one who's actually physically flying and he's looking and he's, you know, scanning, 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 looking for lights, looking for anything. And Nielsen starts to, like, go through all the paperwork right like what is happening like just just flipping through everything 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 looking through looking through and he sees it he sees it Nielsen wasn't on vacation Nielsen knows that 027 is supposed Uh. to mean 27 degrees and he sees it and he tells Cesar. but where are they right where are they and they try to like retrace and try to like try to like fit this new correct information into what they've already been doing and they they talk through what they've done and they try to just it makes my head hurt just trying to think about like how difficult it would be to reconstruct where you are in the dark black night over the jungle. At the end of your work day, you have been yeah. up and down, up and down, up and down all day. The river, the, the Cesar tells, like, Nielsen, like, you go get the maps, like, all the maps that are in, like, the back of the cockpit. Like, grab all of the maps. We're going to figure out where we are. We're going to find a place to land. And he ascends, Cesar was flying, ascends to uh, 8,500 feet because, like... Fuel isn't infinite, right? And so he he decides he's going to go up. So, A, they can get a wider view now that they know they're not going to come up to Bellum and want to land, that he goes up so they can get, like, a wider vantage point and to maximize their flight time. Because, like, what if we run out of fuel? Right. And Nilsson comes and, like, sits down with the maps and they're, like looking at the maps and they're going through everything and they're trying to like figure out where they are and they finally they figure out that the river they've been following is the zingu river and that they try to figure out where they are and they try to see who they can talk to and for whatever reason they're still talking like if if they talk to anyone it's it's still reeling back to bellum because that's still where they're supposed to be going and they Looking at the maps, they decide to try to head toward uh, Santorin Airport, which would mean from where they think they are now, they would have to turn around and head north of where they are. And so they turn around and head straight back north from where they'd been going. But while Cesar does that, he turns around and, and, and Nielsen does the math and doing the math like no we don't have enough fuel to go there and so Cesar turns back around and goes back the other way and they say let's just go back to Maraba we'll just go back to Maraba like if we're here and that's the airport we started at we'll just go there and he he tries to tune the navigation to Maraba and Maraba and a totally different airport have the same radio frequency, which normally would be fine-ish, I guess. It doesn't seem ideal, but they have different Morse code IDs, which maybe in a different state of mind would be one thing, but he tunes it to the frequency of the airport they were just at, the place they took off from, and he tunes it to the, but it, again, I don't understand how radios work, but... For whatever reason, their aircraft tunes in to the other airport, which is Guaynina, which is 800 miles south of where they are, but not east, which is where Maraba is. But they tune into that. And it's the same direction they're already going, which has to, again, feel like good news. I don't know. But they don't really know where they are. And they think now they're going back toward the airport that they know can't be that far because they haven't been flying forever. Right. And they they're tuned into the wrong place and they just keep flying in the same direction they've been flying in. They took off at 545. Or that doesn't sound right. We'll just, we'll st- I'll change it later. I don't know. They, they took
1: off. I think uh, f- initially you okay, said 4.45. Okay, I did. I realized yeah.
0: this. Right. So it, I was wrong. So they took off at 5.45. Okay. They took off at okay. 5.45. Ah, okay, because they were supposed to land at like 6.28. Okay, so they were supposed gotcha. to land at 6.28. They took off at 5.45. At 8.05, two hours and 20 minutes into a 48-minute flight. Bellum calls them again. The the nautical navigator or nautical coordinator calls them and is like, what's going on, guys? Like, where are you? Where are you? And Cesar tells them he's heading toward Maraba, and they're tuned in to the Carajas beacon, right, which is a beacon close to that airport. And Bellum says the Karahas beacon is shut off every day at seven thirty. It's been shut off for over a half hour, oh. and now they're just oh my gosh! They're so confused. They're so confused. This is they. They ask they. What do they say? What do you say? And the right. Bellum it tells them like we can call Carajas and tell them to illuminate the runway, like maybe that will help, like just get some light in the jungle, like try to something, even though I don't think you're tuned into their beacon because their beacon is off and they light it up but they're not anywhere near it so of course they don't see it and they just keep flying and at eight. 30, they're still in the air. They're still in the air. And they don't know where they are. And they're looking at the maps and they don't know that at 830, they actually pass within about 100 miles of an Air Force base. Uh. But they don't know because they don't know where they are. And they keep flying. And There's nothing but jungle, 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 occasionally, like a little, like a light from a farm or a little fire or something. It's just nothing, nothing, nothing. And Cesar and Nielsen realize, like, they're, they're going to run out of fuel. They're going to run out of fuel. And they have to prepare for that. And they talk through it, and they decide we're going to stay right here at 8,000 feet until we completely run out of fuel to minimize the chance of an explosion or a fire. And at 8.40, they call Bellum again, and they tell them, we don't know where we are, and we're going to crash, and I don't know what else to say. And a few minutes later, they haven't said anything, like there's been no communication between the flight attendants and the and the pilots, mm. but at 8.45, Cesar makes an announcement over the PA and talks to the flight attendants and just say, we're lost, and we're going to crash land into the jungle in about 15 minutes. And he tries to give the flight attendants time, and I can't just the flight attendant, who that passenger had said something to, I don't know what it would be like to be her in this moment. The left engine died first. And two minutes later, the right engine died. And I looked as hard as I could to try to figure out when they started putting Baby Belly Propelli on 737s, and I couldn't,
1: mm.
0: but I'm pretty sure Baby Belly Propelli or just the windmilling of the the turbines from their mom, from their momentum, which, whichever way, they had some very, 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 very basic instruments. And they're going to belly land in the middle of the jungle. And they have like they try, they try to expand the the flaps as much as they can, but they only get them to 10 degrees and they try to control this like dead plane. And at 906 they hit the tops of trees that are hundred and sixty feet tall. This is like the heart. This is the like deep in the densest yeah. fathomable. Jungle, and they hit the tops, tops of the trees, and they start to fall like into belly first, like into the jungle. And the the force when they, I do not know why, I do not know what was happening in this cabin, but some people were not buckled. I don't know why. As the plane falls like into the jungle, the wings get ripped off because these trees are ancient and massive and the seats of the plane get ripped up and the overhead bins and the roof collapse and they fall into the jungle in complete darkness and that night there's just nothing anyone can do Yeah, there's nothing and I have very limited frame of reference for what this even just being in the jungle, like on purpose in a tent is like, right? But like you and I have spent like you've spent much more time in jungles than I have. But just I don't know, just your body like it's just like a pile of like metal and human people and and like. Bugs and mosquitoes and snakes and little critters. And I love all those little critters, but like this hideous, like... There's no fire. There's no explosion. And they just wait. By morning, 12 passengers had died. But everyone else, including all six crew members, had survived.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: And they try to, like, just pull everything apart and, like, come down out of this, like, I, it's hideous to think about just, like, the crumpled mass of suffering in the jungle and they pull everything apart as best as they can and there's no food and they build a fire to try to like let somebody know where they are but it's the Amazon and people start fires like the slash and burn is like a, a very common way to like clear land and Mm -hmm. they start a fire and again this is i mean they didn't come they didn't take down the only massive tree is the trees are incredibly tall the canopy is essentially completely blocking their view of the sky anyway and i there's on the plane there's like the the beacon right like the the black box type of uh beacon and the one that they happen to have so they're like emergency locator transmitter mm-hmm. the tle i don't know how these things we're working with more than one language yeah. right yeah. so they 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 the one that they have on this plane isn't activated by impact like modern ones it's in it's 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 activated by submersion in water mm-hmm. and they they need water forget that thing yeah. they just need water because there're dozens of people in the jungle right but they also need water to get this beacon to work to try to give them some chance of being found and cesar Like, finds, like, there's the fridge. Like, just, like, the ice left over from service. And he takes the ice and tries to, like, they, like, he, like, dumps it. And they try to, like, submerge it as much as they can. And it's not submerged all the way. And they pee on it. Yeah. They pee on it. Yeah. Because they They need this thing submerged. And that really sucks because they also i'm sure would very much like to drink that water right but i mean whatever you got to figure this out there's no like survival training that they give like pilots the crews they don't have any like amazon survival training but there is somebody and i learned a completely new thing like a completely new thing in amongst these passengers there's a Piero. Garampiero. Mm-hmm. And that's I the, the accident report that I got was obviously written in Brazilian Portuguese, which I certainly do not speak. And so I got a translated version of it. And this word Garampiero, the exact translated sentence is, in the meantime, an expedition was organized to try to find water in the region, successful due to the presence in the group of a Garampiero, whose experience contributed to the discovery of a creek. What's a Garampiero? I look up what a Garampiero is, and it says, uh, they are wild cat prospectors. (laughs) like wildcat gold prospectors, okay. like people of the jungle who find gold. I don't know. Great, This is a thing. I didn't know. Right. And thank God he was there. Yeah. Thank God he was there. Right. Because he is the only guy. Thank God he survived. He is the only guy who knows what to do. And he helps them find a creek and they wait all day. And they've the, they did get the, the, transponder to go but it they're just they're waiting and waiting and their fire is barely putting up any smoke through the canopy and they are looking for them right like the the military the airline the like everybody is looking for them yeah and a helicopter actually does fly pretty close to them but doesn't see them because even though it's a 737, not a small plane, it's just swallowed into this dense jungle and they wait. And after a couple days, a few of them decide like, okay, Garren Piero, like our leader, like we gotta, we gotta, we gotta go. We gotta find something right. Like people are, injured people are hungry like we gotta go and they walk and incredibly they actually only walk for three or four hours through the jungle and i don't know the distance because three or four hours through the jungle that that could be a quarter of a mile Mm -hmm. right like no matter how it's so dense it could be more than that i don't know but they find like a little a little indigenous Farm and they, uh, they the people there do not have like a phone, like, there's I can't help you. And but they bring them to another farm that's further out, and that person does have a radio, and so they call. And that day, the most injured passenger was airlifted out by helicopter.
1: Thank god,
0: and everybody else was
1: rescued oh my god after that 42 people survived oh my gosh not a chance that i think anyone was gonna survive
0: oh my gosh oh my gosh the pilots didn't know like when they were rescued and they found out where they were it was shocking like they didn't know at no point until they were rescued did they know where they were. They were so lost. Yeah. They were so lost. And they were put on trial oh. and convicted oh. and sentenced to four years in jail oh. and then on appeal, they won the appeal oh, and did like 100 hours of community service Beautiful. each okay yeah because it, it's like uh they did oh my gosh that first thing and part of what helped them win their appeal was that like little thing where they just showed like 21 pilots is that a band 20 i think it was 20 21 pilots but 20 yeah. <laughs> um they maybe that's what it's from someone write them a letter um but they like showed the pilots like zero two seven zero what is this what heading is this and you know 15 of them said like um it's 270 and it's true that like there were things that should help them figure it out but they also had like the tiniest like just such a small fraction of all the stuff that like pilots use now or exactly uh, and they were lost, people get lost, yeah,
1: I don't know, oh, oh my word, Ugh. so were they allowed to fly after that, or they just were like, no, thanks
0: or- i so I don't know if it's because of the translation or what it is because like I've seen like you know some of my favorite people have done videos and stuff on this story, and um they are pretty different, like pretty some like conflicting stuff, but one one person said that Nielsen didn't lose his pilot's license, but Cesar did, and I don't. So oh, I I'm not positive yeah. that that's true, but it's plausible certainly. Yeah. Um. Man.
1: I know. Ugh. Ugh, your first day back from vacation. Seriously. And how long were they out there total? A couple of days? Yeah. Yeah. They were
0: rescued. um, The flight was on September 3rd, and they were all rescued by September 6th, I believe. Okay. So, but just, it makes me, like, every, this is such a visceral story. Like, every part of it. Like, every single part of it. Like, just, like your last flight of the day and you write the number down and you write the number your captain wrote down and then you're lost and like things just don't click and like the confirmation bias and the like terror of being lost and the guilt. I don't know if the, I hope the flight attendant is doing great, but just the guilt that you could feel if like 15 minutes into the flight, somebody told you you you're going the wrong way and you didn't say anything yeah. And then like the like my skin just like itches, imagining like that
1: first night especially. Oh in the my plane. gosh. Oh Especially if <gasps> like I mean if he was one of the people who survived too. Like, do we know that?
0: Uh yes. Yeah. He is. The guy who said... Yeah. We're going the wrong way.
1: Yeah. Oh, my God. I
0: wrote his name down, but I'm afraid I'm I'm ill-equipped to pronounce these names, but it's it's like Ep- Epinone.
1: Yeah. Um, I can't imagine being him. No. Uh, because, like, of he, course, you know. like, it's understandable, you know, like, this kind of stuff does happen, and it's it is egregious to expect Cesar Mm -hmm. to know that change. Like, it's just impossible. It's not, I don't know. And and on the flip side of that, when you said something 15 minutes in and no one said anything and no one did anything and now you're in this situation, like, you would have nothing but like, I don't know, just rage towards the crew.
0: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That, that, that guy especially? Yeah. Because, like, the flight attendant survived, too. Right. So, like, for days, you're, like, together in that scenario. Yeah. And, like, the way, I don't know. I found it very difficult to find information because there's definitely, definitely more to tell about Mm. those days in the jungle Mm -hmm. i found it very difficult to find information about it the only information i found was what was included in the report which was basically i i pretty much said all of it i think that they peed on the transponder that they that the hero wildcat gold prospector Save the day, and that they walked to a farm, right? Like I, I don't, but that I cannot imagine that that was that was a bad couple of days, yeah. Because like, and and I think about just our different relationships to like guilt and shame and confusion. Like if if you're there's there's so many different ways. Like okay, like so if that guy is yelling at the flight attendant because like I told you we were going the wrong way, and then if the pilots see that he's yelling and they're like you know that instinct to be like why didn't you tell me? But it's not really the flight attendant's fault at all, and it's probably not even the first time in her career that somebody has said like this doesn't look right. Like you know yeah, what I mean? Like right. it's it's it's. Just the way that people, I don't, and maybe none of that happened. For all I know, they were amazing to each other and they were kind and gracious. I have no idea. Right? Like, I have no idea. Right. But, I don't know. There's just, but people are injured and like, I don't know why people weren't buckled, but. Yeah. But I also, I don't know, like, you and I were kids when yeah. in our state, they made it the law that you had to be buckled in the front seat, and everybody talked about it as if, as if like the government was taking your children to join the, like, <laughs> yeah, whatever, like a big join deal. the, yeah, yeah, communist, like, right, I don't know, farm or whatever. Right. I don't know, like that. Uh, it's, there's yeah. another story. Yeah, there's another story I'll tell maybe another time, but I'll have to be in a different headspace where some passengers like intentionally like unbuckled <gasps> before and we'll talk. It's another. Okay. Yeah. I have to be in the right headspace That's to tell fair. that story, but but I know that sometimes people you're you're very scared and this is a scenario that maybe would be particularly might put passengers in a headspace not to trust the crew. And like, if you're a person who is like inclined to like, I don't trust you to protect me. I have to figure out how to protect me. You're right. This is like definitely right. a situation that would maybe increase that instinct. And, um, so if they're afraid that they're people, sometimes are afraid that they're not going to be able to like get out soon enough or something, if they're buckled I don't know,
1: but yeah,
0: but don't let anybody, I hate that joke so much and I get it, but I hate it when people like make that joke, like, like, do I really have to buckle on a plane? Is it really going to make a difference? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. it is.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But when you know. crash, Sorry, I'll get off the... my... well, no, like when you crash in the middle yeah. of the Amazon, it matters, you know? Yeah.
0: Oh, like, and no one <sighs> like,
1: yeah, just. It can happen. Miss like accidents do happen.
0: Well, and I think it's I think that the like general. Thought out there is that it's a very like pass fail situation, like either you yeah. land safely or. Yes, yes. The plane is totally obliterated. And right. it's, that's just like not going to
1: die anyway. That's so, not the yeah. truth.
0: Yeah, that that is not the case. No. But I get why people think that, but yeah, it's not the case,
1: hmm. but yeah, Goodness. that, thank God. I mean, I'm so sorry to the, to the eight people who yeah, didn't 12, make it. 12 um, people. Mm. Say it again. But 12. Oh, 12. 12. 12? Died. 12. Yeah. 12 people total. uh. Yeah, but it's it. It is incredible that so many people lived.
0: It's. It, I mean, it, no, it's. And that's the other thing, like Cesar and Nielsen, like it's they weren't like totally incompetent. No, their right. way of handling, like we are going to crash in the Amazon in the dark, they. They did it right, like yeah. once they once that was the situation, they did handle it in such a way that like maximized survivability they're not i don't know i don't know why i don't know why they didn't figure out i don't know if maybe they did know they were going west, but they didn't they weren't like putting the two things together or whatever it was because yeah. like flying west. In the evening is definitely something that you're, you're aware of, right? Like you're, Mm -hmm. but you've been flying from airport to airport to airport to airport. And if you're just not like integrating all of that information. Right.
1: (sighs) Right. If you're going east, west, north, south all day. Right. You're not really thinking about where the sun is setting.
0: Right. There's a there was a like kind of a rumor, apparently, or like a suspicion or I'm not sure what to say that they were listening to the game, like the Mm -hmm. Argentina versus Brazil game. And Mm -hmm. that's why they got lost. And that's that's it's just not true. Yeah. Like and I don't blame people for like that is just. They did listen to the radio, but in their attempt to get. Yeah. to safety and right. they listened to mass so like yeah not the game yeah. um and i don't say that to like scold people who think that or have heard that rumor i guess i just want to say it out loud in yeah. case people have heard that rumor um because the plane had like a cvr like that definitely would have that they would have gone to jail that's oh, that would have yeah. been jail there would not have been a, if that was the reason they, that they crashed
1: then they should go to jail like
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. But they, um, it's not true. And I guess, again, like, people, I don't know. I mean, I can't,
1: like, right. I mean, it it speaks volumes that they sat and listened to mass, I think. Like.
0: Yeah, trying, just trying to come up with anything they could think of to figure out where they are. Right. And unfortunately, I don't know. Someday someday I I desire deeply to understand how radios like radio waves and like radios work. I don't don't understand it. Um, but it's basically something about the like the ionosphere.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like that radio waves can like bounce off the ionosphere and like make like, you'll pick up radio stations that are, like, much further.
1: Yeah.
0: And I think that that has something to do with the difference between AM and FM radio, which is why, like, AM radio you can pick up from, like, way further, way further away. Right, yeah. But it sounds horrible. hmm And
1: I don't know. Yeah.
0: Did your family, like, listen to games on the radio when you were a
1: kid? Yeah, my dad did. He always said it was better than the TV announcers my gosh. And we would oh, know, we would that's... silence the TV and listen to the radio.
0: Oh. Watch the game that that's way. That's
1: interesting. Yeah.
0: I'm sure it is better because they actually are describing everything that's happening. Right.
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Not all the extra fluff. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I but would was be interested it... to try that now. I think as a kid, I did not appreciate it, but. No.
0: No. <laughs> was it AM radio that he would listen to, though? I like, think or so. Do you, yeah, you know? it was AM
1: radio. We definitely would I... do that for, like, Yankees games and stuff. Yeah. Driving. AM
0: radio just gives me, like, I have, like, a very, like, strong stress response to AM radio mm-hmm. because it is, like, the sound of, like, uh, being car sick. Yes, yep. And in the car. And, and also, like,
1: reminds me of the apocalypse yeah. a little bit for some reason. Yeah. I was like, why are we listening to AM radio? Like, are we in a state of emergency? What's going on? We are. Yeah. It's the
0: past... And it's the apocalypse <laughs> and it's AM radio. Right. Hockey games on AM radio. Because yep. baseball, at least, I can't, that's, uh, hockey on AM, on radio of any kind, I, it's a miracle if you can understand what's yeah. happening. Yeah, yeah. Like, baseball is, like, methodical, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. but, i. Uh, I I don't know how anyone can follow hockey. My dad can. God bless him. Yeah. But apparently, I hope he can follow it. Because if he's not following it and we're just like listening to this horrible sound listen, while yeah. I'm throwing up. Yeah, while I'm throwing up in the backseat, then I'm going to be very. That's bad news. But. But I don't know.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't know. Yeah. So wow. this is a really, really, really crazy story that I kind of put off for a while. Yeah. Um but I would I don't know. I would love to get feedback on this because it definitely has like a lot of elements. Um you know like somebody knows what like year this plane was and like fully mm-hmm. understands like the kind of like what equipment it had and what it didn't have. Yeah. But um but that person is not me. Yeah. So. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, great job. (sighs) I'm really glad they didn't go to jail. Oh, seriously. Seriously. I'm very glad they did the, that like survey or whatever.
0: Yeah.
1: It's a good. Oh yeah. That's a good, like, I don't know. It's
0: It's a good, it's it's a good good tactic. Yeah. It's a good tactic. Yeah. Yeah. Because it is, that's, that It is really I don't know like I've been I've spent a lot of time lost maybe that's part of the reason why mm. like because I just know what that's like like yeah. by the time you realize you're lost well you're you you're lost you're so, so lost yeah like reversing or trying to like figure out like trying to retrace your steps yeah and like integrate new information is really difficult and they were doing it under exceptionally difficult circumstances and like the sunset while they were flying and, and the jungle is. (sighs) Yeah. Like just, I don't know. Yeah. It just swallowed the plane. I mean, imagine that really, right? Like a plane, like a rescue helicopter like did actually get quite close to them and couldn't see them. It just swallowed
1: them. Yeah. Goodness.
0: Yeah. So that is, that is Vareg 254. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Thanks for being along for that very long ride. Yeah.
1: That was a great story. Do you have a fact
0: about um, wildcat gold prospectors?
1: No, I don't. But maybe I should. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love it
0: yes. if the next time we talk, you have like a yeah info oh, I'm information look. prepared about that. Yes,
1: because it sounds fascinating. Here is my forty-five minute dissertation mm. on um.
0: Oh, If this was a better show, that's what it would be. Yes, yes,
1: exactly. <laughs> but it's this show. It's and this it's, show. It's, it's, and this, it's is, this show. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Norway uses bubble wrap to prevent hypothermia. Did you know this? What? So no. I guess um, sometimes, not all the time. It's not like Norway is, you know, stuff in there, uh, like ambulances with bubble wrap or whatever. But sometimes when... It's like an extreme situation and, uh, critical patients are experiencing hypothermia, a fast way, um, and to get them, to get their bodies up to a, like an appropriate temperature, um, is bubble wrap. And so really? they, yeah, I guess it, it is 69% as effective as, as blankets or equivalent to a sleeping bag. So, um, really, I guess, yeah. And I guess it's just like, I don't, I don't, I don't really know why they do it. I, I, maybe it's more efficient, or I'm not really sure, like that versus emergency blankets. But, um, yeah, yeah, it's a thing
0: that is so interesting. Yeah. That, I mean, I imagine that also, like, if somebody is, injured and has hypothermia maybe it like helps like it's a good like it helps protect an injury Mm. and helps you warm up maybe i don't know yeah Yeah, that's really interesting
1: yeah
0: huh i know that when i because you know i don't know i don't know why i am the way i am but because (laughs) i for some reason also sell exotic plants (laughs) and ship them i know that like in when it's cold that other people who i try to emulate use bubble wrap for plants and like insulating plants is kind of a weird thing because plants don't produce they're living but they don't produce any heat right so Mm, you're like you're not insulating to like keep the heat the plant it doesn't produce any heat so like insulating it's kind of like a difficult thing right and I know that people do use bubble wrap in the winter to ship plants rather than like paper or other things. So I wonder if that's part of it.
1: Yeah, probably.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Bubble wrap's great. I mean, there's a lot of great things about bubble wrap.
0: No, it's true. It is. Multi-purpose tool. Do you find like popping it, like, is that a very joyful activity for you?
1: It definitely is. I wouldn't say that I don't, I get my hands, like I don't seek it out, but if I have bubble wrap, I will pop it out of the pleasure of popping it. Not so much like, oh, it's bubble wrap. I have to pop it. You know, like, I think there's yeah, like a huge yeah. bubble wrap craze with a lot of like fidget stuff, which is great. Like I, I think, yeah. you know, it's, it's a handy tool for sure. Um, But I think I mindlessly use it more so than seek it out. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah. What about you?
0: Uh, I might edit this story out, but (laughs) in high school, in my senior year of high school, um, we had, I don't remember why, maybe something came to the school, something was delivered to the school, and we had like a bunch of bubble wrap. And I really loved our English teacher. Everybody loved her. Mrs. Atford like she was wonderful yeah I absolutely I love her so much and I hope she's doing great and she was like oh this poor woman she was so passionate so passionate about literature and like Shakespeare (laughs) and just and her passion just did not translate to Like we did not become passionate, and I wish we had. Yeah, and like, what a thankless job to be a high school English teacher. Oh my gosh, truly. For some reason, somebody got the idea. We'll all take like a little bit of bubble wrap into English class Mm. and like (laughs) pop it, like just at different Mm -hmm. times, Mm -hmm. just intermittently. And we did it for like five minutes, and she just didn't respond in any way. Yeah, and we were like, oh no, like. Is, can she not hear or like we were like we stopped and like everybody felt really guilty afterwards Amazing. but in retrospect probably she was just like these kids I'm here to talk about Shakespeare yeah. I'm not here for shenanigans yeah. like I'm not gonna I'm just gonna ignore that yeah, right. and very successful yeah. good job S- smart woman yeah right. but
1: it, uh, it works most of the time it
0: works yeah it worked great it totally yeah because there's um, no joy
1: like it's just annoying at that point no. it's like why are we doing this?
0: Right. Exactly. And that is, why do you do anything when you're a teenager? Exactly, you don't know. Yeah. It just, it's just like an idea and now it's happening and oh no, it didn't go well. Like yeah. <laughs> that's most of, you know, your 11th grade or senior year. Yeah. right? So yeah. yeah, this has been a long one. So I would, my,
1: will. I was going to say, do we have anything <sighs> to say? Do we have any announcements or anything? I don't think so.
0: Well, we have like a half announce. It's not really an announcement. The the usual announcement that we love all of you so much. Of course. You're just so lovely and wonderful. And, like, thank you for, like, sharing your, like, joy and stories and, like, everything that is wonderful about you with us. Um, We are coming up on 100 episodes. Yeah. Which is bananas. And we do have, like, a really cool episode, like a really cool story kind of saved up for our 100th episode. But... Um, my birthday is on Saturday, yeah, is that is. right? Yeah, is that an announcement? It is I love birthday, but you could all tell us your birthdays, and then we could all celebrate together. yeah. Tell us just good news. you got good news in your life? Let tell us, us. we like good news. yeah, we just want to share in your joy and um yeah, I don't know what a what a What a world. Wild time to be alive. What (laughs) a world. What a world. Yeah. What a world. Mm. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Like, people talk about, um, like, how we, like, went to space with, like, technology that's, like, technology that can, like, do less than, like, a microwave can now or whatever, right? Right. And that's an exaggeration. But, (laughs) But just in this flight, I mean, I keep thinking about that. Like, this idea of... Like, my kids won't even be able to understand why I was lost in, like, all the times I've been lost. Because, like, being lost is going to be, like, hope, you know, whatever. Maybe just not a frequent occurrence anymore. And something like this. Yes. Yeah.
1: I was literally trying to think of when I experienced, like, the last time I experienced the feeling of being lost. Yeah. I don't think, like, because I just have... Like, we just have our phones.
0: Yeah. So it would be a, maybe a time either before phones or in a country where your phone didn't work yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, You when we went to Costa Rica, that was the first time that, like, ever in my life that I've been in, like, another country and had a phone that worked. Same.
1: Same. Yeah. And it was nice. Yeah. Game changer. very nice
0: yeah totally like I went to Canada like just to Niagara Falls with my beautiful aunt Mary Beth and her lovely friend Tamby, and um we had a great time but like yeah my phone just like I called her when like I had to yeah. go like put money in the meter or whatever and like just called her and I was like oh like it's the future I could just make a phone call on my <laughs> cell phone in Canada but yeah and I'm just saying all that because, like, what these people experienced is, like, I mean, even in, like, if this had happened in New York State in 1989 with, like, a modern, like, a modern, at the time, 737, this would, would be impossible. Yeah. You know? Right. Like, it's just, I don't know. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Talk to, I don't know, your parents or your grandparents or, like, your... You're the, the local, um, people who are older than you who are in your life and just like have a chat, see Mm -hmm. what it's like,
1: Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. uh, My grandparents love that stuff. Yeah.
0: I love that stuff too. Did you ever ask your grandparents about their grandparents?
1: Oh yeah. My grandparents talk about their grandparents a lot. I love that stuff so much. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It just, we are we are gonna have to have my grandma on here.
0: Oh, I want to so yeah. badly.
1: Yeah, we will soon. <sighs> yeah. We will soon. That that would be I really want to do that. She said to me the other day in the car, you know, I used to be a pilot, right?
0: Oh, I was like I love your grandma. Yes.
1: <laughs> I wanna hear about it so
0: bad. Yeah. Yeah. She
1: would love to tell us.
0: Ugh. I love you, Mariah. I love you too. I love you, Grandma. Yeah, and we love all of you. (sighs)
1: Everyone, see you next week. Yeah, have have a great week. Love you. Love you.
0: thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the pod crashed we so hope you enjoyed it if you want to get in touch with us for any reason you can find us on instagram and tiktok or you can email us at thepodcrashed at gmail.com we do have a little bit of this and a little bit of that in the works and um hopefully one of these days <laughs> hopefully one of these days um we will have some cool announcements for you but in the meantime